Hey, my name is Mustafa Sharif, and thank you for listening to Urbanistica podcast. You read about it everywhere, you hear about it everywhere, and hopefully you work with it. SDG 2030. But this episode with an interesting person, and the story is about beyond 2030. My guest, Marina, welcome to Urbanistica podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. <laughs> Ready? Yes. Let's start with you. You're the storyteller. Tell us more about you, about your passion. Yeah, so my passion in, in absolute terms is to help humanity explore our full potential, or humans. I would like to see where are we at in understanding our potential and uh, how do we push those boundaries and understand what we really are about. And that really links back to why I'm so interested and passionate about sustainability. And my passion started a bit randomly um, in 2009. When I was like, you know, and my bachelor. <laughs> so it started a bit randomly and it caught my attention when I was in Germany as an exchange student. And since then it, be- it became this life-changing, you know, um, journey that is still ongoing. And it profoundly changed me to understand complexity and uh, how that links back to, you know, how we live our lives. And so, yeah, I moved country for sustainability. <laughs> wow. What, what did you study in? I, I'm technically from Italy. I mean, I'm from Italy and uh, I studied in... <laughs> no, it's a long story. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Italy. I studied at Bologna University. And uh, when I was there, I thought I studied in international relations. And the whole idea was that I thought that to make changes, you needed to sit in the same table as Angela Merkel, you know, Obama (laughs) and these guys. And so I thought uh, I needed to be part of those conversations. So I was going for that kind of career. And then um, and then I went to Germany as an exchange student. And my faculty was opposite to this thing called Bioladen, like this bio store. And this was 2009. So okay. it wasn't in Italy. We didn't talk about those things, and definitely not. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't really hear it before. Why should it be a store where you only can find organic and biological things? That was new. Maybe because of you know some things in Italy are very local and everything. But and then in Germany, uh, they had a big election, and for the first time in history, the Green Party won in actually the most conservative state in the German Federation. That was in Baden-Württemberg in the south. So that was a game changer and there was the Stuttgart 21 project uh, the station renovation so a lot was happening and I was just I started wondering like what is this all about yeah so then I then I got an internship was lucky enough to be uh, accepting an internship in Germany so I went back to the same city actually okay. I ended up in the same city where I studied in Heidelberg and uh, there I uh, became you know involved in two research projects and one was about sustainable transport systems and the other one was about um, it was more like a socioeconomic analysis of why did the ambitious subsidy system in Germany for solar energy didn't work like okay, the whole okay. world was discussing it as a very innovative and powerful model that could have changed the energy system in Germany but somehow because it was so profitable for the individual but somehow no nobody wanted to benefit from it and the government was very puzzled and didn't understand how come? Why did nobody pick it up? And there is when I made this big first big shift, mind shift, that the power is not necessarily on the top levels. The real power is that is us at the local level. So to make real change, you can make the best, you know, invention, the best product, the best anything policy from the top. But if you don't bring people along in the process, it won't work. So we yeah, share it will power. Yeah, be functional. Yeah. If you don't have the bottom up or exactly Top down yes you need to have them all together yeah but so this was during your bachelor or after during your bachelor that you became mind blown by yeah sustainability yeah. and especially more focused energy and greenery yeah and what was the next step after and the internship yeah uh, the next step was actually coming to sweden i was advised by the head of the research institute in germany it's called eov institute for ecologische wirtschaftsforschung which in english <laughs> means institute for ecological economy research <laughs> and uh, the, the the head of it advised me to study in this specific program in lund that was unique and uh, in fact Five years later, he sent his own daughter to the same program. Lund City is in the south <laughs> of Sweden and it's very famous for the for its Lund's University, of yeah. course. Yeah, it's a student town, very vibrant city. It's right. all about research and being a student. So you moved to <laughs> Lund yes. to study. What was the name of your master program? It's called, it's a Master of Science in Environmental Studies and Sustainability Science. 
uh, abbreviated is called LUMES. LUMES, in Lund. Yeah, in Lund. Yeah, <laughs> LU for Lund University. <laughs> Great. And yeah. the, the story started there or continued? Yes, it continued there. So I was plunged into this program where it was uh, an interdisciplinary program. So in my same class, there were psychologists, people from the government in Malaysia. It was uh, There were teachers, there were all kinds of background engineers and uh, pharmacists. Any, I mean, any discipline was somehow represented and different ages. So I was pretty much uh, the youngest one. We were two, I mean, we were a few just out of the bachelor, but others were really experienced. They wow. took it as a, you know, specialization. And so what we did, we had to discuss we had to understand and unpack sustainability, but we, with this program, we go deeper. This program is quite special in that sense, and that's why I was advised to go there, because it's not a program about sustainability applied to some sort of discipline like sustainable engineering, you know. Yeah. It's more about the science of sustainability, which means it's very academic, and which means it's about finding new theories and frameworks and new ways of collecting data, of generating data, of analyzing data that actually make sense for what the science of sustainability has found yeah. about what is how reality actually works. But was it focused on like just on the economical aspect, the social or like s- sustainability in general? You... Exactly. It's the concept at, at this depth. I mean, what is sustainable? What does sustainable means? And uh, what makes some what are the principles of sustainability? You know, how do you create? How do you re- the whole point was how do we reframe challenges? in their complexity so stop trying to simplify and exclude most variables so that it becomes very linear and doable but then it misses the complexity if you miss the complexity you're not doing sustainability right it's about reframing the challenges so that we can actually solve them yeah you can deal with them them. yeah in a realistic way exactly more than just standing on a paper or like in a vision or without being really realistic exactly so two years of working with making sustainability real and touchable yes and what was the next step after that after that, I, while I was graduating, I became part of, I got involved in this team and that was developing the center for, so the first center for social innovation in Lund. So I went straight from being um, yeah, in this academic bubble into being part of the innovation ecosystem in Sweden as it was developing. But you started, you mean like by your own or there was a couple of other yeah, it was, act- actors? Yeah, uh, it was a team of people that started it. And I, I, got in, I got involved in the first probably six months after they started. So I was supposed to bring the bottom up and create the, the, the concept for social innovation from the bottom up. And so, um, yeah, uh, it was uh, Andre Bocco who started it. And uh, he, th- he was an engineer. And he thought, why is the university only funding research and projects that are supposed to be scalable and profitable only? Isn't the university supposed to, you know, empower society 360 degrees? Why are we turning down those publications from people that maybe don't have necessarily a scalable idea, but a very powerful idea that locally can make a difference, right? So that's why we started a social innovation center and the rector at the time supported us directly. So it went really f- well, really fast. The approach is really great. Mm. But how, how did you make it? I would say that, um, you know, there's a lot of politics yes. <laughs> everywhere. Yes, it's, of course. It's uh, we made it because it was the right time. And because we had the rector supporting us, but also the government, Vinova specifically, that then later on created the social innovation yeah. unit. V- Vinova is the innovation agency within the Swedish government. Yeah, that funding innovative in, ideas. Yeah, and projects. Make, make them real. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. And in Sweden it's very special because it's so close to the people. So we were just students sitting somewhere in the south of the country, far away from the capital, but we could very easily access the government. So that's very I would say what makes Sweden, one of the things that makes Sweden very special. So it really is uh, accessible. Mm. And you know about the calls, it's, you know, it's a smooth process. So, yeah, that was the beginning uh, of it. And uh, it went really well because this is what happened. Our team created, you know, created this um, this vision and uh, pulled in some actors. We did some need analysis across the country between entrepreneurs, researchers and, uh, you know, pol- polit- policy makers. And uh, we analyzed the needs. But then what happened is that the, the, uh, needs of... the needs of entrepreneurs, researchers and policymakers 
or how what I mean how do we what are the needs around social innovation what would it take to bring about social innovation for example we need uh, social entrepreneurship to help yeah, those ideas who could that could be scalable but that are owned right now by people that do not have the mindset the business mindset you know to transform any scalable ideas or it could be that uh, we need to create like like it can be anything it can be that organization need to collaborate new types of collaborations you know it's really open in that sense but the idea was how do we how do we make innovation something how do we decouple innovation from profit and technology because innovation is more than technology and profit you know innovation can breed deeper ideas yes and transform deeper so yeah and so after a while in the beginning there was some resistance within the university because the innovation Bu- department exactly so there was some resistance but then when eventually they f- they started see what we saw then the the innovation department started the traditional innovation department started saying we we do social innovation now so for us that was the achievement of our vision yeah. because yeah if, if i if i ask you if you tell me what is social innovation in very very light way like in two sentences is innovation designed to serve the needs of society okay so societal it doesn't have to be only socially it can mean socio-ecological you know it was more of a reaction to innovation as technology yes innovate yeah and then you moved to Stockholm and then I moved to Stockholm welcome so, to the capital thank you <laughs> I made it from the villages <laughs> to the <laughs> capital. <laughs> so, yeah. And, um, yeah, Stockholm, very interesting. Capital feel, for sure. A lot going on. Very accessible. Yeah. So, here, my journey started. When you move out of a student university town, especially as an immigrant, it's a bit of a shock. <laughs> Sweden is bigger than, you know, yes. this towns. So, um, yeah, it was very different. And I had to re- I find my place in the world because I was, what, 24, 25 as well? Yeah. Very young. And yeah, I guess after the bachelor and master right away becomes yeah. Yeah. So when I moved away from this student town, uh I had to re I mean understand my place in the world and I had to start from scratch without you know, having studied sustainability science, although it was in Sweden, which was already quite progressive with sustainability even ten years ago. Um I said it in total between 2011 and 2013, right? So it was still a until literally until last year, since the Greta movement started, things started changing. But yeah. before that, if I if when I went around, imagine 2013-14, I can, I go around and people ask me, "What do you do?" or "What can you do?" and I say, "I'm a sustainability." What I mean at that point, I was a sustainability scientist. I help organization work with sustainability i had 99 of the time people ask me what is that even in sweden right wow. okay so okay. The, a okay. lot has changed in the last couple of years of course so i was literally i felt like an alien because in a way i came here to study this but then you come to a big city and you you need to you know it's more about an identity right because sustainability is quite deep it, it calls for a deeper transformation so it really has to do with your lifestyle with your values you know so you start you transform yeah. And then you feel a little bit like an alien and you you have two choices. Do you fit in in the short run and you hope that, you know, the market will open up for sustainability, so to speak. So, you know, so that you actually can be paid for doing that and you have a job or a career or do you just remain the alien until that that point? And that's the path I chose. Yes. So it was a lot of... Very brave. But <laughs> may I ask you, when people were questioning your, uh, mm. how to say, your speciality... Mm-hmm. Was like normal people in the streets or you mean organization and business owners? Everyone. Everyone. I mean, the most, uh, almost, yeah. Yeah, everyone. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So you think the, the, the movement that Greta started in 2019 played the big... Yes. I would love to that somebody looks into how many jobs did Greta create. <laughs> yeah, that's that's amazing. <laughs> that's really amazing. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yes. Yeah. So you, you, you chose another path. Yeah. The, the tough one. Yeah. For me, it was the easy one, but I understand it. From a financial perspective, it was the tough one, but, yeah. you know. So now you're working with SDE. Yes. Okay, before we start, beyond 2030, which is your project, Yes. let's start before 2030. Could you brief us? So, Agenda 2030 came about in 2015, right? So now that I put things in perspective, I will tell a story. Imagine you're sitting in 2013, you're about to graduate with, in a Master of Science, whatever, <laughs> from the university, you know, about, uh, sorry, about sustainability science, right? 
you have no idea that the industry and the world is not even discussing it fully, right? So you, uh, we, what we were talking about is how do we convince people, how do we explain to organizations and businesses and governments that sustainability is important, right? That was the, the challenge. And then I remember um, that uh, we were struggling with this, um, with working with sustainability for Rio, because you need to understand that there is a hierarchy between environmental side and economy. It's not about this triangle people talked about or these bubbles that overlap and finding the balance. There is no such thing as finding the balance between society, environment, environment and economy. There, in reality, if we take away that we are the human species and we, you know, we, like, we are creative and everything, but we need to be grounded in how things really works, work in reality, if we look at it like that, there is a very obvious hierarchy between the goals and it's not about balancing them. So it's a small nuance in how you understand the concept that makes a huge difference in the outcomes on when you apply it and in decision making, in business model design, everything. So that was the context, right? So when Agenda 2030 came about, it was a bit of a victory for the sustainability people. Of course. Nobody, of course. yeah, it was amazing because for the first time, the agenda, the agenda came about on the 25th, between the 25th and the 27th of September, 2015. And the same week, the Paris Agreement were signed. It's a, pretty much an in-depth analysis of what needs to happen for the climate goal to be even a thing. To, to be, you know, tackled. And uh, in the Agenda 2030, what is special about it is that for the first time, uh, environmental, social and ecological and economical goals were put together in one agenda. Before, they were all treated separately, as if you can balance or discuss them and pick and, you know, pick and choose. But the agenda was special because finally, science was a little bit acknowledged for the first time, although it's you know, yeah. 20, 30 years old science and knowledge. So um, that was exciting. <laughs> and um, what was also exciting were two other things. It was global. It was supposed to be a way to get both developed and developing country on the same page into leading sustainable development. And when I was studying a few years before that, it was the biggest challenge was that developing countries and developed countries were kind of clashing on the science because developing countries were arguing, say, saying that, it's not fair that we have to cut emissions, you know, that we have to do things differently because you guys got, you are the, the one that created this problem. The developed countries have created this, the challenges. And now it's, uh, you know, the developing countries cannot go to the same paved, already paved path of development, you know, industrialize and everything. Yeah. So they were kind of lost because they were, they were, they thought it's unfair and they, we, we, we had those kind of discussions, right? which are emotional. It's not rational, of course, but of course it's politics, polit politics deciding this. So you have to go through that phase. But finally, in 2015, they all unanimously agreed, 193 countries that belong to the UN uh, system. So, uh, so unanimity was also very appreciated from the sustainability community. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when the two parts of the world come together, like the developing and yes. develop, understanding that, okay, we need to move past our emotion and, you know, and we, we understand that we need to do something. Yeah. So finally, there was a language, a common language <clears throat> showing a vision and a goals and a big approach. Yes, and that was bringing everybody together. Yes. Because it's a lot about cooperating. It's a lot about developed countries giving and helping developing countries because, of course, it's fair. Yeah, it's, of course. Uh, and there, there are 17 <coughs> goals to work yes. on. But Marina, what are the special of these goals? So there are mainly three things that are special about it. And one is the fact that system thinking is lightly acknowledged, which is system thinking is this idea in the science of sustainability uh, where you understand that everything is in interconnected and interdependent. So when you understand that, you don't try to argue for balancing between environment, society and economy because there is no... There is a hierarchy. There is no balance. Yeah. You don't discuss with nature. There is no way. We try that. We are moving on. Uh, but... Um, that was one thing. So the fact that for the first time that the three pillars were acknowledged as one goal, they're not, you know, divided and to be approached separately. And the second thing was that um, it was global. It created, um, it brought together developing and developed countries. And the third one is that it introduced impact assessment. It introduced indicators. So all countries are not supposed to only say, yeah, we signed this agenda. And we, we like it and we think it's nice to do these things. They have to prove it. So they have to be accountable for it. And so we, we are adding thereby new indicators and new ways to define development. So they're know. more measurable. Yes, they're supposed to be 
So there's not <clears throat> only a vision. No, there's something you have to work to. Which of course is a challenge in some countries. So it's not it's not all perfect. But I'm just trying to be appreciative because in my community, if you are from the if you have studied sustainability in step, you don't you're not happy with the agenda. You're not supposed to be <laughs> because it's, it's it's a political agenda. It's a big compromise. Uh-huh. You know, like two degree scenario for climate change is a political goal. It's not a scientific goal. You know, okay. uh, of course it should be zero degree. Why would we ever try to mess up? A little bit with the you know climate system yeah. you know things like this but of course but i'm trying to understand that i'm trying to be constructive and to be participating so i had to step out of the research and academia to help in reality and so i had to appreciate the agenda because that's that has the power to help us communicate and align and compare and help each other in a constructive way yeah yeah and talking about reality do you think the 17 goals are realistic somehow? Uh, is, is it possible to work on them? I mean, my my big question is, yeah. are we going to make it? It's just 10 years left to 2030. If we continue as today, no. We're not doing enough. Or not. it's not about enough. We're not even... I don't, I don't think... I think there is a lot of will, but I think there is a lack of leadership. I think at some point somebody has to step up and take decision at any level from the small company to, you know the government so i think that a lot more can be done but i think i know i i yes i have a reason that i think about why it's not happening and this is my uh why i call my initiative my project going beyond agenda 2030 the agenda as i said is political at the lo- and but so it's political and is in the hand and the responsibility of the national level but at the local level is supposed to be municipalities helping you know gathering the data and doing info i'm not in- supporting the action locally etc but we're all involved and we all need to understand that we can do more than the agenda we can go beyond it because those are globally political goals so imagine those are goals uh, agreed upon and negotiated among people from very different economic realities and um, you know cultural backgrounds you know Uh, so we need to localize and at the local level you can go beyond that you can do better than that okay so if i understand your concept or your your idea with the Mm -hmm. beyond 2030 isn't Mm -hmm. it We shouldn't really just stick to the Agenda 2030. There are so much to do beyond it. Well, yeah, partly. I I will try to say... I I try to say it in three points so that together is the beyond concept. Of course, yeah. The mic is yours. So that is one that is a political agenda and we need to own it at a local level and understand it, localize it is called, um, and understand what that means uh, for the context. And then we... um, we need to acknowledge that the agenda is not perfect. I mean, it's you know, it's a political agenda and global. <laughs> How can it work for, you know, it's not a panacea, right? We need to understand that some things are missing. For example, uh, mental health is very loosely defined or very narrowly defined. Um, so if you have a deeper understanding of health, like mental and physical health and how they they connect of course you will look at the agenda and the goals and the targets and the indicators and you will think something is missing we're doing we're already actually doing more than this why would not talk about it right so it gives you the flexibility of going beyond it and acknowledge that locally but also it's about it's about going deeper <laughs> that is what what my starting point is that's my whole approach i don't come from politics i don't come from the industry i don't i don't come from science necessarily or well, i come i represent science but in my in my own approach and to go beyond means that we need to understand that the agenda is not a series of goals actually to me is maybe midterm goals so to speak for humanity because we need to discuss, we need to go deeper and discuss what does that mean? What, what, are, what is humanity about? What is my life about? You know, like we need to go back to this philosophical question that triggered this whole journey and brought us to this point. But we need to re- reopen this question up and understand that sustainable development is deeper than we are making it look like with just improving how things are done today. It's not about improving the machine, you know? Yeah. It's not about tweaking and making and optimizing it like engineers like to think, you know? Yeah. It's about literally designing what is humanity's next phase. This is the first time in history, at least in some parts of the world, and others are catching up quite fast, where we have this opportunity to actually... Uh, we need to reinvent ourselves in the new era because if we have technology taking care of, you know, some most of the job so to speak if we will have more free time and if we will be if we already figured out that materialistic a materialistic society was very good when we were uh, not resilient you know 
living exposed to nature completely, you know. But once we go past that stage, we all know that the fifth pair of shoes, the third trip to whatever does not fulfill you, does not give you meaning. So for me to go beyond means helping organizations and communities, can be a municipality, can be an organization, can be a group of people, to really start to take a step back and try to reflect what do we want what are we what are we about what do we want to be about and what do we want our life to look like what do i want my day my lifestyle to be about right what do i actually believe in i don't have to do any of this right this is how i was given society i was handed over society but we have the power to to reflect and really reshape the future because we are at a moment where there is chaos people are open and looking for new opportunity so we every company every municipality every city has the power to shape that vision and really contribute well uh, the thing is that first i'm working as an urban planner yeah and we are following the agenda 2030 mm-hmm. to make sustainable cities yeah and we find it it's really finally we have a common language that we can mm-hmm. talk with different actors but if i am thinking about the beyond 2030 like okay it means that we need to step back reflect about the agenda and beyond the agenda which means that it might happen that we're gonna have different agenda one more time because i'm translating mm-hmm. on my own way then the, yeah the municipality doing it in their own way yeah how are we going to meet one more time what, yeah what i mean is if, that if you got my yeah i i i, I see what you mean mm. so I, I would look at it like this right the agenda and the goals are common sense that is nothing mind-blowing obviously everybody wants clean air access to fresh food you know doesn't want to worry about uh, how something has been produced and you know feel guilty all the time so to me the agenda is simply should be i mean taken as a to-do list of things that needs to get done and out of the way but it doesn't tell me anything of why you should do that what what's next imagine the agenda was solved tomorrow imagine that the i don't know how people are envisioning it that's the point right how are you actually envisioning it? Do you even think about a vision? For example, if you're a city, if you look at the agenda, it actually only tells you what, but not how and why. And that's what I'm trying to help with, right? Uh, you need to design the why because this this goes so deep into your values and belief system that, in, I mean, you should go deeper into your values and belief system to design why should you even engage with this and uh, what can it do for you? is not only what you need to do for the agenda but what can the agenda do for you and really understand that you're having the responsibility to step up and speak your voice if you're a city you know if you're a community you need to you need to understand that you have this opportunity and you need to take it i'm very curious about anybody looking skeptically at what is happening in the discussion about sustainability and not actually thinking it through and contributing because your value system is under discussion right now what you can eat what you can do if you can drive an electric car or not like what you will do in the weekend where where can you sit and not you know like everything has been challenged so you have an opportunity to make it better and to make it how you believe it should be and this is the time now so everybody should be taking it as a you know an opportunity but then you need to reflect so you need to start with the why and then i and then i help organization with the how which is I use this framework called the theory of change where we understand the difference between outcomes, output, outcome and impact. So if you take the goals, they're more like in my vision of my understanding of sustainability, they are more like outcomes. And to me, you need to understand why, what are you contributing to? What what is your vision? The, The agenda is not the vision to me. So that's why I think many people get confused. Yeah, exactly. Because it seems like, yeah, well, we just we just cleaned up the, you know, uh, the energy system and we just, you know, make the car all green, like, you know, all uh, electric and the clothes maybe will be recycled, yeah, circular economy, good. and that's all good. Is it? Is, that, is it it? Maybe it is for you, but if it's not, you should be reflecting about that. And Have this, you reflected And this about? is the beyond yeah. 2030. Yeah. This is the beyond. Yeah. Well, so I, I'm super inspired now. Okay. <laughs> I want you to tell me one example. Like, how do you do it? How do you design the how? Yeah, the how is very boring. <laughs> the why is more fun, but the, the how is more like... Uh, the agenda has these indicators, right? Yeah. There are some authorities collecting the data and you don't even know it. The SCB in Sweden, SCB in Sweden, uh, you know, the UN organizations, uh, they're all collecting the data, but the data has been already produced. The thing is that this data is national, is aggregate data that they are collecting and putting together. So you need to, if you're, for example, a company and you want to be part of the of the movement and you want to keep, want, want to shape what the vision that sustainability will eventually bring, that you know it or not, um, you would be, you need to find a middle step because the goals are global and you're, you, you are a unit in the, in the system and uh, in an aggregate 
statistic. So you can, uh, you can, if you read the indicators of the Agenda 2030, you will see that you actually cannot put on the website that you work with goal 5 and 17. You know, it doesn't make any sense if you read the indicators. I understand that it makes sense to communicate that you're, as a communication tool, yeah, you can do whatever you want, but it doesn't make sense if you actually mean it. So you need to read indicators and then understand how are you at an individual scale contributing to the agenda, not to one goal or the other, because the goals are supposed to be indivisible. So you cannot cherry pick. It doesn't make sense. You, of course, you will have a priority, but then you have to be, you have to argue for it. You have to understand that you need to contribute to a national and global goal. So how are you going to do that is the question. So you have to have an answer. And that's uh, that's what it, when I use the theory of change as a theoretical model. What is it about? Uh, the theory of change is actually a very old um, methodology, old in the sense that it's been used quite for a long time, over over 20 years. And it's used by CEDA quite a lot. It's been used in development work a lot. And it helps understanding designing for impact and People use the word impact, but really what they mean is outcome what, or what output. Are, what is what is the difference between impact, outcome, output? Impact is this big is is pretty much the big vision, the goal that you with your idea, product, service, even company or municipality, city can only contribute to. Like sustainable cities. Is it an impact making a sustainable city? Yeah, then of course you should have a definition. What is a sustainable okay, city? But okay. let's say you say, well, I want the city to be uh, completely climate neutral, like no cars, completely pedestrian, whatever that is, you know, youth friendly or, you know, uh, say you have your definition. You, I mean, of course, the bigger the organization and the, their current impact or their complexity, the more you need to go deeper. But so there are two layers if that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's the boring part. Yeah. But no, 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 it's, I think to it's me, it's the fun part, but I understand it's kind of like, it's a nitty-gritty part because you want to link your impact to your outcomes. All you can claim is your outputs, which is what you do, and your outcome. If you do that, what does it mean? Like, what does it change? What is the change you're bringing towards that impact that you're claiming? So, and all this has to be, or has to be quantified. And so if you have an outcome and an, and an output, then it's easy to find the indicators. How, what is the best me- way to measure this? And it's done also for social things. I hear a lot this, this, this idea that it's hard to measure social things or environmental. I mean, environmental impact is quite straightforward, but the social and the soft stuff is hard to measure. And I just think that there are some parts of society that are very good at that. You know, the whole any marketing department mastered how to you know create data around emotion feeling you know we know how to do that it's just about just doing it i want to say something about impact measurement i don't think that impact measurement i think it should be a tool i don't think it can ever be a goal so it's important to understand that the agenda has indicators and yes you should try to understand how to measure but not as a way to not like a fascist way of measuring things you know like with this control approach but rather as a way to to make sense of things, to really, to to learn more, to understand more what you're doing. It's more like a tool to be on top of what you're trying to do and not end up with an outcome or with an impact. Well, contributing to an impact that you actually didn't mean to, which happened a lot in the in development work in the beginning. That's why they adopted this methodology. Marina, well, tell me about the project that you did. About the why or the what or the how? <laughs> I work with these different uh, kind of services, but it's uh, I, I would I would like to tell the story of the why because hopefully I can link to regions. And uh, I was in the Netherlands in Maastricht, and uh, there was an NGO locally working with the municipality that has managed to convince the municipality to act for the SDGs. So Maastricht is a small town. Not everybody has heard of the SDGs. It's not like in Sweden. M- many people has heard of it and people are talking about it. But the minute you step out of Sweden and Denmark, nobody talks about the agenda. It's only in the hands of politicians. So, And uh, what we did there is that the NGO has uh, done for a few months a campaign where they went uh, around with a sign with Act for the SDGs. And they tried to uh, raise awareness. You know, they went into stores, the local bakery, whatever. And they tried to talk about what it is. And then they asked them, what can you do to contribute on the spot? So they did like a picture and they had a whole Instagram hashtag for that. So they created this, you know, bottom up approach, right? Where they go and raise awareness, you know. And so it was really nice to watch online <laughs> when they were doing this. So you see kids saying, this is what we do, you know. I will, don't, you know, whatever they can do, you know. And so they commit to it, right? They say, well, I, I pledge to never use a plastic straw or to, you know, 
always ask for the vegan option although i'm you know whatever uh when i go on sundays you know whatever the goal was and so they did that and then they had this moment where they gathered the community and that's what i was invited at and it was this one day conference in the city hall it was nice as a symbolic thing um and then what we did is we went into the why so you gather the community and you ask them i okay so i started with uh, a little bit of an introduction on the the agenda and then we look into what is the vision we wanted to find the vision for maastricht designed by the people for the people from the bottom up but that has to be in line with the science of sustainability so we put the boundaries of science some things we don't discuss you know what creates emissions is clear is scientific i will not never sit down and discuss that you know and so we move on from there and then what we do is we look into uh the the beliefs the belief system so we go back and we say if this is the vision you have um holding together what is what are the beliefs that are holding you back so then you have to go deeper but inside of you and then you do it as a community together yeah, you need to reflect is, because this is specific in each for each community we are different right absolutely yeah. and it has to be authentic it has to be genuine it has to be meant right for it to make sense as a why why you should do it otherwise it doesn't activate anybody it's just top down again right so you want people to really have a chance to reflect and think while my, my well my whatever this whoever this person is that i probably not haven't even met yet is saying that they want this for maastricht right i don't really agree you know like but we are a community we share the city i want to know more right so they have to reflect and they have to go deeper inside and find out that what are the limiting beliefs that are holding them back for example there was one one thing that came up quite a lot was this idea that there is a big international community so it was about um the international community feeling that uh, they don't they are not uh, integrated in the community right and they thought and i asked why do you think that right like if you think of what is what is you know what is holding you back on both sides right and then it turned out that they had i they had beliefs about what the locals were thinking that were just stories that were kept i mean that people were telling you know the new generation tells the the old generation tells the new one of students so there is the stories going on right it's all about stories anyway right and that was holding everybody back so there was a story about what it means to be integrated in maastricht as a international that you will never be connected to locals and they don't care and they try to exploit you when you they rent you rent your apartment you know and then we fix that so that's a magical thing because in a way if that is fixed then those people can work together the students are a resource in the city and they want to contribute they had this that so then we moved on right and we said okay what uh, what needs to happen from from now on to kind of restore him so that you can move closer to your vision and then we looked into for example they came up with this idea that there should be a recycling system for all the things that all apparently in the contracts every student comes in and then they need to rebuy everything because the landowner doesn't want you to leave your things and sell them off to the next student coming into your apartment so that means a lot of waste insane amount of waste you know in a educated <laughs> see like you wonder why is there no system for that so they solved it the locals together with the international community understood that that was a challenge that was silly so to speak and they had to fix it and together they designed a solution on the spot and they decided to create a subgroup that would create change so you know a lot of things happen when the community comes together we just need more of those moments because somehow we do it online perhaps but there is something that happens when you bring people together and you go deeper people want to go deeper people want to take that moment of reflection is powerful is a lot is a changing you know it releases a lot of things yeah, that of are course, holding of you course, back of course i imagine it's also a big work that you put people together to agree about one belief and to make the image clear but in this specific project this was uh, the initiative of the municipality right or it was a, the initiative of an ngo so it's more like so it's not a the few, municipality no well the municipality supported it in the end by giving the building and by i mean allowing people to have the meeting in the municipal building and also by having the city mayor dropping in at the event and giving a little press release and leaving yeah that was but, it. but what do, what do you think i mean not every city have a an ngo to do this initiative who should be the responsible to put people together i think anybody sitting right now and listening and thinking i want to do this is the right person there has to be this person didn't have to create an ngo to do this anybody can this is your life your city your future 
as everybody's out, everybody else, if you for a second forget about all these structures that we create in society, like that somebody's in charge of something or that somebody is in, in the position of or that has access to, if you forget all about that and you just think of, I think that we need to reflect and we need, I need, and we need to talk about these things because they're important and I need to do it with other people because what's the point if, you know, it's, we need to do this together. And then you just start asking people, and you will be surprised about how much other people were thinking the same thing and they are just happy, right, to, to do that. So it's always the case. Like, if you bring people together, they will be. You don't have to be in charge of an NGO or creating an NGO for that. You can do a meetup, you can do a digital event. It's for free. There is a lot of free things that anybody can do. And I really think that uh, I'm, I'm my invitation to everybody is to um, stop thinking that is annoying to talk about, uh, you know, sustainability and those changes in lifestyle so for example should you eat meat or not you know all this kind of little lifestyle daily lifestyle uh things that we need to talk about like should you drive the car if you live you know in this part of town you know like we if you we all should take responsibility for creating these moments of kind reflection so we don't want to judge anybody is you know is a deep thing and uh, some people are not maybe in that moment in their life in a position to switch to a more sustainable lifestyle and that's totally fine we need to, in this part of the world, we have a bigger responsibility uh, because we are in a safe uh, environment where a lot is given. So you, you, we have the time to worry about those things and we should. But in even here, you need to be kind uh, and need to be, you know, graceful <laughs> when you yeah, talk about these yeah. things because it's, uh, it's not productive to judge, especially if you want to include people, right? So I'm just talking to my, the sustainability people that are really committed and think we need to do something right now, right? As far as we do it with a smile and with kindness and with asking questions rather than telling people what to do and ask them to reflect, you will see it's called in participatory processes, it's called uh, giving ownership, right? You hand over the ownership of taking responsibility for things to others by, the, by just not telling them what to do, by rather asking them and inviting them to think about something. Once the power is decentralized, then that's when we will have the change. That's when we have social movements, you know? Exactly. And so. people feel that they are part of the change and they take more responsibilities and they do the change, yes. actually. And they take care of the results exactly. and, and the impact. Yeah. But I believe that big world has a big <laughs> challenges. So if, yeah. what are the challenges that you're facing now while you're working with Beyond 2030? I guess it's it's a very special way of working with the, with the Agenda 2030. Mm-hmm. And not everybody is open for this way of working or designing the future. One is me, is mine internal. I have to be self-reflective as well. And uh, I'm a little bit holding back, honest, honestly. I could do more and I feel like I'm not doing enough. And that's, you know, I should be gathering people for reflection even here in Stockholm. I just, uh, yeah, I'm trying to do it maybe step by step though so that's partly my thing <laughs> i'm not really going for it uh, fully as i could and um the other thing is th- what i come across a lot is this idea that we know like we've already figured out we are doing it we're doing sustainability we're doing su- agenda 2030 what do you mean you know and so that's my biggest challenge to make people understand that sustainability is not about optimizing what already is out there today but it's about shifting paradigms. It really, if sustainable, if anybody has thought that it's very frustrating to work with sustainability because it never makes fully sense, you know, it never seems to be achieved, you know, like you can do a project and think like, oh, now we take away all the car, you know, you, you go radical about it and then it still doesn't make sense. It's probably because you're trying to, when you think about it, you're not thinking like, a, I would say like a designer, or an artist, you know, you don't think in a reflective way where you understand that you have power to question things and to reflect about things and change them fundamentally, but you are trying to work within what's already there and try to make it a little better. If you're trying to make things a little better, you will not feel satisfied. You need to, we need to, as Johan Ruxum would say, we, we need a paradigm shift. It's about sustainability is a is a, another paradigm a sustainable paradigm is another paradigm we cannot make that paradigm fit our current part where we are at today that's why it makes no sense so it's about understanding that we need to transform and not those little small nice incremental changes that can make a lot of money in the short run mm. that will not help yeah. <laughs> that make that doesn't help and what's uh, what is the status of the agenda 2030 are, P- are the countries transforming or they are just 
optimizing the systems? I think that there there are both things happening in every country. I think that there is some something bubbling up. I I mean, if you ask from the beyond perspective, I would like to see more of this communities getting together and reflecting. And I don't think we're reflecting. I think we're just, everybody thinks that you need to reach the goal. But the, if you take these goals as just a, a dot, a mean to an end, and you need to design the end still, then you're not doing it, right? So from my perspective, not not enough. It's not enough how it's done today. On the other hand, I would I have to acknowledge that it is, something is moving. And really, once again, it's not Agenda 2030 that has, that will create, that has created the biggest shift is uh, Greta Thunberg, honestly. And her movement and all her peers, all the students that are on Fridays striking for the climate, uh, because their movement is, you know, uh, beyond the climate. It's about biodiversity loss. It's about shift. Uh, it's about their whole generation and their lifestyle. And the question that they, uh, that que- that poses them the question of what kind of life and what kind of why, and how do I mean what kind of why do they want to design together that yeah. will change society? Yeah, I feel. I feel the hope when I'm yeah. there every Friday, mm, when we yeah. together yeah. meet and chit-chat and yeah. look at this new generation. Do you believe if they take the decision, and if they make the decision, they will... I think they are meeting and they are every Friday. I mean, not all of them, of course, but the vast majority, is, a good majority is meeting on Fridays, I would say. And um, they are reflecting. On things and they go deeper they are very smart of course they are they have access to all the information so you know they are young but they are very informed and uh, very smart and so I hope that they will reflect and they will understand that they have so much power in designing society and, and letting the industry follow and that they don't have to and the politics you know and that uh, I hope they will use the power they have that's my hope I, I still I think that it, it gives me hope too yeah, of course but about <laughs> it has to be intentional that's what i'm trying to say if yeah, it's not intentional yeah. it, there's no if it's just a nice reflection and the next day you wake up and you keep going as normal that's useless. Uh, yeah that's yeah. really useless exactly but talking about gathering people together yeah sometimes it's difficult how, how do you have any suggestion how do you gather them yes <laughs> <laughs> I see, i've thought about just, it a lot you, you just jump <laughs> i was hoping for the question no i've I, the participatory processes my mo- i mean to design and facilitate participatory processes is my core skill within sustainability within sustainability so i've been tried and figure things out for a long time and i that is a, i mean the fact that it's hard or that is low is just a is first of all not true and it's an excuse right uh, so if anybody wants to do things from the bottom up in a participatory way, in a democratic way, etc., uh, it's the, actually the fastest way in the long run, is the smoothest way in the long run, and the most efficient way in the long run, right? There is a trick. I'm from Italy. I, I lived in Sweden for 10 years, and I can tell you one thing. In the first five years being here, well, three years being here, I thought Italians or Southern Europeans are just more social, right? What I don't, I don't understand how to socialize here is different, right? And I thought, wow, people in the South are more social, right? And then going back Christmas after Christmas, you know, for a while, I realized, wait a minute, it's not that people in other parts of the world are more social. It's just that they share meals together more, you know? And, uh, you know... Are you kidding or what? I, if you... Try, try this out. <laughs> try this out. If you bring food, there will be people coming, no matter what. And if it's good food, if it's, you know... Maybe it's healthy food. Maybe you're trying to get people off from sugar. You know, whatever. You can create your own concept like baking, whatever. If you bring food, people will come. Because people need food. They will eat at some point. So if you eat together, guess what? You have one, you have some time to chat together. Yeah, we have more energy to talk. Yes. So I really think it's hilarious. It's some, it sounds silly, but try. If you do an event and it's no food, you will see that People like participate differently. They socialize differently. The dynamics are different. It doesn't, you know, it's not only food, but yeah, of course, it's of course. about the energy. Yeah, and I, I agree with you because when I work with the urban <laughs> planning, it's yeah. in Sweden we call it Medborer Dialogue. Yeah, that you talk with the citizens about the future of the area. Yeah, 
And yes, coffee is is numero one. Fika, in, this in number fact, one. yeah, this number one. That if you don't have coffee, no coffee, right. no one will show, yeah. show up. Of course, people, some people will show up. Yeah. But if you want the the majority of yeah. the community, then yeah. if yeah, if you level it up with uh, food and some sweets, yeah, then you have everyone on board. Yeah, because then you're in a way you're not taking anybody's time. You're just saying this is a very humble human moment that we share together, so we can have humble human deeper conversation. It's fine, right? Somehow is. The atmosphere changes, you know? Yeah, of course. And people will have to eat. So if you can solve a problem, people will be grateful. You know, they will come. So if I understand right, it's like one of the (laughs) tricks that you should have food to bring people together. Yeah, it definitely helps. Another thing about participatory methods and bringing people together, you don't need 100%. You don't need 80%. You don't need 70%. You probably need around 20%. You know, you don't want everybody to be there. It's It's a paradox. That you want things to be from the bottom up and you want everybody to participate, but that is not gonna happen. If you want everybody to participate and you really mean it, then if you really want to do it, you can divide everything. You have to understand what are the interests of all the subgroups and then how can you make them interested in their own ways. So you bring a small community around a transversal topic together. You know, you create, you sh- you design a calling question that is transversal. So that different people from different communities will will join around a certain interest, right? The minute you sh- you design the question a little bit different, then other people will show up, you know? So it's more like the goal is never to have every single individual. The goal is to have those who have something to say, who wants to say something. Because those that are not really interested or not interested right at this moment or in that way of you, uh, you formulating your question or why they should be there or your you know title of the event... Uh, then it's fine. You don't need everybody. There will, there is always like this kind of egg model. Like there is the yellow part and the white part, and we're social beings, so we follow. We don't. You don't need to convince everyone separately. You need to understand socio- the sociological dynamic that people are in. So if a group of people is a critical mass, you're aiming for the critical mass. And so in some groups, it's three people. In some groups, it's two hundred. And in some groups, it's twenty thousand. So just just fi- just try to figure out what is the critical mass of people. What is about twenty five percent of people. Exactly. It's uh, about first understanding the people first, like which are the different groups and uh, their behavior, where, what time they, they want to meet and when they can, they are able to. And then you, you, you design your model. Yeah, I guess it's more about understanding their interests and designing around their interests. What, yeah. are, what is, for example, um, I was working on this energy transition uh, project in a small community in Skåne. And uh, the first time I did a workshop, it was about energy transition, and this community is very aware. It was a strong community that is used to meet, you know, they do investments together, they co-buy things, you know. So they're very tight. So I thought, yeah, what's the problem? You just invite them on a new topic, they will come, right? And uh, only four engineers came. (laughs) If 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 you say, we need to talk about the energy system, of course, you will attract the people that think they can talk about the energy system or that are interested in that because maybe it's their passion or whatever. But if you then I, I realize, oh, but I cannot r- r- I mean, run this only with four engineers that will not be participatory enough, right? So I should um, change the question. And so I had to figure out what do people care about? Why, do, why are those people part of this community? Why do they want, why do they move here, right? And uh, it was their connection with nature and their, con- their willingness to live a high quality life like they want a quality of life that is high right so fresh fresh air access to nature all these things so i just changed the question to how can the life quality Mm. in this community remain the same or become even better in the future and then a whole different bunch of people showed up so uh that's kind of the idea so it's about the interest what do people need and that's something that entrepreneurs are are very good at so if anybody's struggling in you know when finding the right thing uh entrepreneurs are the pros of that because if they don't solve any a per- person needs or interest they won't sell so yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's those skills that's are all out there yeah. and we just need to learn from each other we need to yeah exactly but going going back to the the beginning of the participation story when you were telling like 10 years in sweden yeah. and you figure out like uh, what could be what could gather people as well do you find that the majority of people in sweden willing to meet and talk about the topic or the people i meet yes i think also because they know that that's uh i mean i kind of carry that character a little bit so every time that i'm somewhere I, we all end up talking about sustainability and the future of humanity <laughs> and whatnot <laughs> so in a way in a way I, i'm the wrong person to ask to because i kind of that's my whole 
life yeah. about so it's your everyday life yeah life. so and people know and just yeah <laughs> then we i i will just go straight into this deep question with anybody at any point yes. so marina what is the future of beyond 2030 what is the the vision the plan yes i was at um Almedalen this year for the first time. I just wanted to see what it is. Very interesting Swedish concept again. <laughs> and there I got uh, to know a person from Pakistan that was represent that would come this year to represent um, the country. And so this person just listened a little bit to what I was doing and pretty much told me, uh, "Excuse me, if you really want to uh, help the world or whatever, you know, make an impact." Why are you keeping this to yourself? <laughs> like, you know, if you imagine that uh, you have platforms like Facebook, digital platforms, right? Why are you not just sharing this stuff so that people that maybe don't have the opportunity to come to Sweden and do all this like 10 years in Sweden and experience things from another perspective from a country that has a, a tradition around sustainability that has figured a lot of things out. Why don't you just share? you know and i was like oh that's a, that's that's true like i you don't think about it but um so i thought maybe i can share online so maybe the beyond 2030 would be more of an online platform where anybody from yeah. anywhere at any time can access it yeah and learn yes so it's more i i i will start online with um uh, mindset trainings because to me sustainability is a mindset shift if we try to make it a list of principle or a certain um a, a characteristic of um a product or a service or an idea then we are not getting anywhere everybody gets frustrated but if you get the mindset of how to think in terms of sustainability so you understand the planetary boundaries system thinking you understand the trades off you understand that things are interconnected and you understand to not think linear but think in in a synthetic way not in an analytical way then all of a sudden you don't have it that is not that hard it's not that you know uh, so i i want to i've tried to understand sustainability at a depth that is easier to train other people on so but i train people on the mindset i don't come with like you know the details like this material yeah, that's yeah. materials yeah yeah exactly that's really a great approach and i'm looking forward to to start to listen to these videos i don't know how you're going to do it but the changing the mindset is I yeah think it's the, the step zero and yes then step number exactly. one is to apply yes then everybody can contribute yeah is it going to be addressed to to which group is it adults young people for everyone like who More, is yeah. your audience if you yeah thought about it or i don't know maybe you didn't start yet to, in this project yeah um i will try to do a lot of free things uh online um i'm not sure if it's facebook or <laughs> youtube i don't know uh but maybe it should be a podcast maybe um so that i just put uh i just try to discuss things i do it a little bit on linkedin and some platforms on linkedin uh but i would like to target this the first course for professionals people that it doesn't matter how old you are and if you have a degree or not the idea is that you can be creating a career and starting and maybe upgrading your career or sh transforming your career towards sustainability and start contributing so you can be any profession if you under if you get the mindset then you will be i, I see it as an activation because There is so much knowledge out there. There are so many knowledgeable people, competent people about so many different things. What if they got the mindset and really understood sustainability beyond business or politics, you know, in a scientific way? And what would, what can they create if they get into this, if they align their mindset with what the science says? You know, it would be inspiring. I just made a post yesterday on accountants. Like, what can accountants do for sustainability? They have a huge power. Wow. But everybody thinks that sustainability people will solve exactly. sustainability who, who or politicians. Who could believe that? Every single one of us. Everybody, can yeah. really change. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's great. Well, um, I'm looking forward that you start being active and share. Especially it's open source. That's going to be really amazing. Marina, two last questions. I will not take much more of your time. Yeah. First one is the three takeaway messages. And the second one is three hashtags for this great episode. Well, that's actually a tough question. So I will go with um, 
try to gather people together in your community, even if it's just your three friends, even if it's just your family. Just try to start this conversation about what what is what is life about? I mean, what do we want from our life? How do we want to live our lives in 20 to 30 years? Right? Do we want to work full time? Do we want to drive a car? What, what is it? How does it actually look like? Be very specific and maybe do small little workshop with your family on, you know, a Saturday evening or with your friends, you know? Just take the time to, to try. It's, not, it's, it's, it's worth it. It's fun. It's, uh, it gives you a lot of insight and uh, it helps you make decisions on a daily life when it comes to sustainability. So make a sharp vision is one of them be kind to each other when it comes to sustainability nobody can do it perfectly because we all live in this you know and economy and society so until we transition we cannot do it perfectly so let's be kind to each other and um the third thing is try to your mindset is everything as a human being i don't if you want to achieve your potential you need to work on your mindset and everything will follow it's not about things it's not about technology it's not about a sp- um, some magical thing will, will happen it all starts with you being reflective and sharpening and shifting your mindset so the hashtags will be <laughs> go beyond 2030 agenda 2030 if you're working with uh, you know if you if you're a professional listening if you're a private person it will be uh mindset work on your mindset and your reality will change it sounds cheesy it sounds this you know but it, it's it's just how it works and dream big i mean dream and dream big because we i don't think we have even scratched the surface of what human beings can do we are still too close of this idea that we are well we definitely are animals (laughs) right and we definitely have limitations but when it comes to the brain neuroscience is quite a new science and we're just scratching the surface of what we're capable of doing you know and we need to yeah define that especially when it comes to technology because our brain does not distinguish apparently between what's real and what's digital so we need to be very careful and very reflective about what we want technology to do for us (laughs) that's so amazing thank you so much for your time thank you so much for everything you shared with us thank you for inviting it feels great to start talking about those things i'm really happy i'm I'm really happy i I have the pleasure and i think i will listen to this episode so many times because it's not only three takeaway messages to be honest all your words were great thank you marina thank you hopefully see you in the future yeah 100 percent. yes (laughs) thank you so much for listening to urbanistica podcast i am mustafa sharif and have a good life